filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Thanks to the first two games of this year being very cold here in D.C., my kids made their season debut at Audi Field this weekend, and they they were able to go to games last year at the end of the season before Omicron hit and everything, but this was their first time back this year, and it was their first time seeing Talon in two years. Oh, and. We know how much your family loves Talon. And, oh my gosh, did it show in this it, it, on, on Saturday. Um, Talon was taking a picture with, with other people, and mm. my now four-year-old um, saw him across the crowded concourse, yelled, Talon! And <laughs> ran and gave him a giant hug. And in so doing, uh, contributed to... A, a very drunk woman's photograph with talent. Well, maybe not very drunk. A a boisterous, very happy drunk woman mm. uh, who was having a very good time and really enjoyed uh, having her picture taken with talent. I have no idea if she noticed my my son photobombing <laughs> her uh, or not. But both kids were very happy to see talent, uh, which. Which you know made, made the game something other than a total loss, right? It's good. It's good that they got to reunite with their good friend Talon. Yeah, yeah. I have a picture and uh, of of the embrace of both kids and Talon, and the faces of all three parties, absolutely priceless. Like Talon's face is painted on in such a way that conveys such a range of emotions. <laughs> Adam, I think you're talking about a Talon version of the Kuleshov effect, in which uh, the the circumstances around the facial expression uh, allow you, the viewer, to imbue his facial expression with meaning. Yes, I will say the, the most uh, filibuster reference ever. I'm I'm being like for our listeners who don't know what I'm talking about, I'm being dead serious. I'm talking about a real thing. Um, it just also is apparently nonsensical. Um, I, I, I believe you're both familiar with the uh, mascot moment of silence Twitter account. Yes. yes. Which takes pictures of soccer mascots during team wide or stadium wide moments of silence. And so they look ridiculous. Almost every single one of them is the funniest, most ridiculous, absurd thing you've ever seen. I feel like Talon's face is painted in such a way that it would actually look somewhat respectful. The, the most recent Talon, maybe not the older Talon. I'm right. not sure. I, I, I don't know if we should test this. I don't want an occasion to test this, obviously. But I feel like the Talon, expression there is... Talon kneeling down, but also just like flexing. During a moment of silence. Respectfully. Respectfully, respectfully. flexing. <laughs> How does one do that respectfully? 
You kneel. Well, you put your head down. You, you have flex. to give it everything you've got. It, it can't be a, a, a halfway there flex. It's got to be, you know, out of respect, you have to go all the way. Going all the way to, like, bursting a blood vessel or not quite to bursting the blood vessel? I mean, I don't so know if like... Talon can flex so hard as to burst a, bl- a blood vessel, but, you know. Well, maybe if you, you want can't. If you want to take it uh, to the heights of respect, that's the only way. <laughs> hey, hey, welcome in. It's Filibuster, the Black and Red United, and Talon Stan podcast. I am Adam Taylor. My kids, Stan Talon. They are Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. Uh, the three of us are from blackandredunited.com, where we cover DC United, the Washington Spirit, other soccer teams in America, and the DMV. This podcast, of course, is about DC United. Tonight, unfortunately, we have a loss to talk about. Um, one to nothing to Atlanta on Saturday at Audi Field. Before we get into that, though, Ben, what are you drinking? I am having a uh, uh, whiskey and tonic tonight. Um, I had some Top Chef limes from Limes, and I just got a um, a juicer, one of those like things that you cut a half a you, you cut a piece of citrus in half, and then you just juice it. Um, yeah. Like not like a mechanic, not not like a machine, but like just not a not a lever not a, not a that, that right squeezes. not not a yeah not a juicero. Um, a a <laughs> you're not squeezing it out of a pouch. Right, a garlic press, but for juice. But, yeah. Well, there's your episode Um, title. And it works, like, I know that they work really well, but I was just, like, put the half a lime in there and just went and juiced it. It was like, this is great. This is much better than squeezing it with my meat hands. Yes, it is. Jason, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I kept it very, very simple. Uh, I've just got some Cazadores Blanco on the rocks. Nice. Uh, I, I went to the fridge, grabbed a beer. I opened the beer. That is that is. Is it I'm the same thinking. beer? It's, uh, no, it's it's a new beer. It is, is Port it? City, and is Alexandria's own Port City Metro Red. It is a uh, an American Red IPA. It is. I don't know that it needs to be an IPA. I could deal with the red, the multi. Most things the don't need to be an more. IPA. It, it's true. It's true. Uh, Port City, though, is pretty good. So I, I will give them the benefit of the doubt that they did this with intent and not just covering up their own weaknesses like mm. some brewers do. Uh, I'm not going to put that energy on Port City, though. Uh, to the soccer? No. Well, sorry, Ben. <laughs> it wasn't the most eventful game on Buzzard Point Saturday few big chances going to either team, but it ended in just about the worst way possible for DC United as the ball slowly dribbled past Bill Hamid and over the line off of a late stoppage time Atlanta corner, robbing the black and red of any points on the day. Uh, second game in a row that we've seen uh, a corner kick against turn into a goal. Um, DC United traditionally has been that that's not something you see back-to-back games all that often. Do we need to be worried about the set-piece defense at this time? A little bit. Uh, it's two in five games, two in, two in a row. Maybe it's not, you know, the classic three as a pattern um, applies, but also we have a small sample size, and right now the sample size is that 
DC's set piece attacking play hasn't been very good. Um, and DC's defensive set play hasn't been uh, very good. Um, this was not, it's not like an overwhelming target is just an unstoppable player that was able to beat DC's best players. It, it's right. Marcelino Moreno is open um, to and his like head. His on the last one. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. Or, yeah. It's, it's small. And, and, and what's it? that the TFC one was also, it's not just Pozuelo tapping it in. It's Michael Bradley beating people to the spot, which we talked about, you know, for yeah. a little while, because it's, it still grates on me because he shouldn't be beating anyone that's on the field on DC to the spot because everyone on the field for DC is faster than him. Um, and so it's, it's letdowns. Um, and it's, it's a letdown in a moment that this team is not good enough to have those letdowns. Uh, this needs to be, Right now, at least, as presently comprised, DC has to be a team that is better than average on set pieces, um, and they look to be worse than average. And that is a big con- contribution to, you know, maybe maybe we're talking about a team that's two wins, two draws, one loss. No, no really great performances, but not feeling so bad, all things considered. Now we're talking about a team that has lost three straight, um, and it comes down to something as simple as this, that this team, I think, for the things it lacks, I don't think it lacks players uh, to do well in these situations. Um, it really is just down to the, the basics of staying focused, um, you know, getting, getting not just, you don't have to win all of these battles. You just have to not lose them. Um, you'd have to not yeah. lose your man. If, if Marcelino Moreno is not able to quite get on this cleanly, he's not able to target the header like he did and steer it into the, all the way into the lower corner. And maybe Hamid gets there. Maybe the ball just hits Russell Canales and DC gets out of it. Um, all of those things could be happening. If, if you just get a little closer, get a little bit of a bump on him or just block his run for half a second longer. Yeah. All of those things the, could have gotten in the way. Yeah. The, two thoughts. This was not the only corner kick in particular that Atlanta had a good look at. They, they sent another corner kick header narrowly over the bar earlier in the game on a free header. This one, the, the set piece design, it looked, it, it was cl- clever in its simplicity. Moreno and a bigger guy ran at the defense and then Moreno stopped basically and let the big guy act like a fullback in American football and just push the guys, which you have to be ready for that. Like they're not going to call the foul. It's, it's right. a guy's momentum and you have to be able to stay on your man. Um, Except when Villarreal you is calling that. Except when Villarreal is calling fouls, right? But I mean, you can't you can't count on that call. That, no, and and also, it, the way he called that game, uh, the strictness was only going to be within twenty yards of the kickoff spot. Um, right. Anything in that area, any contact at all, was always a foul and possibly harshly punished. If you were out on the touchline, though, you could just hit someone with a bat, and it was fine. Um, it was a bizarre officiating performance but there's no foul on this play um no this is no, just no, no, it's no, no, no. it's good set piece design uh, um you know with with atlanta using um uh I, I think it's miles robinson and um george campbell the two biggest players they had on the field um just leading a charge to the near post and kind of it's not that they're dragging their men with them it's that they're sort of dragging the entire pile of people Mm-hmm. Um, they're shifting everyone's attention and everyone's gravity is going towards the near post and Moreno didn't do that. Um, he just right. let everyone go 
and it's stayed like the, open in his spot. It was, it's almost like the Red Bulls. They used to design set pieces for Dax McCarty, and this right. seemed like a design set piece for Marcelino Moreno, who is not a large person. Yeah, right. and uh, I mean, it, it just seemed like everyone, a, a, after the header happened, like we talked about what the, the things that should have happened before the header, but after the header happened, it seems like everyone was like, a half a second or a full second too slow to react. Hamid Hamid's vision looked blocked. Uh, uh, Heinzeich uh, didn't seem to see it either. It seemed like everybody was not able to figure out what was going on until the ball was already in the back of the net. Yeah, but, it was and, it was a play in slow motion. It felt right. Like. And you know, I I don't want a single anyone in particular out too much for you know i don't want to say that the game's a loss because of one player but if you if you pull the replay up that there's a cut there's an editing cut that is not helpful but if you look really closely you can see that before the ball is delivered it's brad smith is touch tight he and moreno are both literally grabbing each other and trying to shove one another away from it um uh from the spot it's just that it looks like at a certain point in the mix um Marino, Moreno does kind of shove a little harder um but that kind of stuff doesn't get called very much I don't think it's enough to amount to a foul um Smith kind of has to just be stronger if he stays touch tight on that one Moreno can't put yeah. the header that he puts on it maybe this is just a header that floats over the bar goes right to Hamid or hits Smith or whatever um but you know even with that in mind, I feel like this the part of the reason this game stings is also DC just didn't create anything. Um, no. that like zero zero was the best outcome, not a, an unlucky outcome that got worse because of a stoppage time goal. It was like, yes, definitely zero yeah. zero would have been an indicator of this game. Uh, there was yeah. not much going on, there really wasn't. Um, United did have a couple of chances that maybe last year when things were breaking for them that for that little window. They go in Durkin's chance in the third minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it gets over Guzan. Um, maybe Roberta's shot managed to hit Guzan's wrist um, on the reaction save, or the rebound falls to Kamara instead of going out for a, a corner. There's those little moments where the the breaks just don't go their way. But that I can name both the moments. It wasn't right. like there were a lot, and you have to create more than that to to be able to. To, to expect a win and, and to be fair to atlanta um going the other way they they didn't create very much either but mm-hmm. by and large i felt like they were closer to creating more um they in particular they were able in the first half um where andy nahar apparently it looked like he had a knock um he came over to the touchline it looked like they were trying to put uh k tape on his hamstring um or something like that on his hamstring um while the like while dc was standing over corners and things like that so it obviously it couldn't get very much done um but atlanta was playing a little it it wasn't the same people every time but they were trying to play a diagonal ball from the right wing slipping it into the space between uh nahar and the rest of the back three um and they came close several times um in playing that particular ball um and one of them was, you know, if, if that game had been like, well, now, now we have to go to extra time. Um, if, if it were that kind of game, if you would ask me how the goal was going to come, I would have said it's probably on that kind of play. Um, mm-hmm. Now, 
DC addressed it to some extent by making the sub. Uh, Chris Odoya Chen came in and Atlanta didn't play as many of those. Um, but they did seem to have the, the picture they had coming into the game because that was a pattern of play. That was something that they were definitely looking for. It wasn't just that Nahar had a knock and that they sensed it. It was also this was something that, that they had identified as a weak point. Um, they were getting closer to that one working than anything DC might have identified as a weak point with Atlanta. Um, and that is kind of troubling. Um, and, and some of that is, you know, personnel available at this point. Um, you've got, you know, DC comes out with a, you know, two out and out strikers, um, which when your central midfield doesn't create, contain any particular creators in it does kind of leave you like, so who, how, how are we going to turn well, anything into goals? Yeah. Let's get into that a little bit. Um, before we do, I mentioned his name earlier, Chris Durkin, back with the black and red after a couple years uh, with Centroiden in Belgium. Belgium, um, He came in. I thought he looked pretty good. Maybe our best central midfielder, maybe our best player on the field uh, in, in this one. Uh, he looked quite good. But as Jason said, the 3-5-2 that we saw, not the 3-4-3 we're used to seeing. Edison Flores goes to the bench. We have a... Kamara and Roberta up top with Jafal sitting behind Durkin and Knaus, basically, uh, mm-hmm. as, as a right-sided and left-sided roving destroyer. And then Jafal's job was to link play. Um, he ended up suffering a shoulder injury late. Hopefully he's able to recover during this bye week coming up and uh, able to contribute against it, uh, Austin on the 16th. But um, as Jason was saying, just not a lot of forward punch out of, out of this formation. No, I think uh, the team, uh, like Durkin did a great job. I think uh, having Durkin back is really good. I think he might be a good uh, uh, replacement uh, or supplement or, or something like that. A good partner for Russell Knauss on the back line uh, on the, 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 in the midfield. But, um, it's still questionable, like, who is going to be that attacking midfielder and how are they going to link between the attack, the midfield and the attack? And how are those attackers going to, like, are they going to run the ball into the box and just keep pushing forward and pushing forward and trying to roll the ball, pass the ball into the net? Are they going to uh, uh, actually take shots? Like, there's still a lot of questions there. And Chris Durkin helps the midfield part of it. He helped keep this to zero zero for most of the game, but he doesn't necessarily, he definitely doesn't fix all that's ailing DC United. He's a, a, a good right. piece, but they need a lot more. Yeah. Actually um, thought, actually thought Atlanta's most dangerous moments, at least in the second half came right after Durkin came out. Um, and we lost some of the solidity that we had seen in the central midfield and they just were carving out chances at the top of the box really quickly in succession. What I would say to that is not so much losing Durkin as much as the formation change Atlanta yeah. went with. Um, they, they were, they switched from, you know, they started in, I, I guess they would probably say four, three, three, but really Joseph was a way up himself, um, real four, four or four, one, four, one. Um, but the sub they made about a minute before DC sub was, they brought Miles Robinson in for Jake Mulraney, and they went to a box midfield. They went with five in the back, play the box midfield, and and one up front in uh, Jackson Conway. Um, 
And at that point, you know, when that sub went up, I thought, okay, Atlanta's saying, let's, let's get out of here with a point, you know, let's make sure we don't lose this thing late. Um, we'll, we'll bring a back five and, and we'll clog the middle and that's that. But what actually happened was, you know, DC, they also, you know, they brought in Griffin Yao and Edison Flores and they went to the three, four, three, where those wide forwards are oftentimes a box as well. Um, so you'd think you're one-on-one, the worst case scenario should be, you don't really get any, like you made these offensive subs and nothing really comes of it. Uh, but instead Atlanta really did have the better of it. I, I, I saw some takes out there that were like Atlanta was all over DC. And I think that's a little excessive because no one was really all over anyone at any point in this game. Um, there was a combined less than 1.5 expected goals in this game. Yeah. Atlanta was having the better of it in those late stages. And that's maybe another problem for DC is that if you shift out of a three, five, two and into the more familiar formation at home in a zero, zero, you shouldn't get outplayed by the team that just went for a like let's let's shore this thing up and make sure we don't throw the points away. You shouldn't then be giving away more of the looks and more of the possession at that point. Um, so that was, if anything, that might be the most alarming thing from the game, in my opinion, is mm-hmm. is that phase where the formation matchup should have been better for DC and worse for Atlanta, and it was the other way around. Well, and I think that's I think. We've seen uh, early so far, and in in that phase uh, specifically, I think these are some of the ways that we that the team is missing uh, Paul Ariola, where he would provide this force multiplication that he would be able to uh, put teams on a back foot uh, when they weren't expecting it, and. DC United is just a little that much more predictable without him there, and. They've got to find a way to not only find creative players, but creative creative players who can uh, uh, just bust past lines and and put in crosses or do the unexpected at speed where the other team doesn't have a chance to react. Ben, I just want to thank you for that segue. Except oh. that Jason has something to add, so yeah. <laughs> never mind. I want yes. to thank you Segway for the segue that could have been. Um, no. I mean, this uh, DC's last sub was to bring Drew Skundrich in for Julian Gressel, and I think it might have been out of a recognition that yeah. the formation was it wasn't working, um, and that DC needed to change something. They ended up finishing the game in more of a four-three-three, um, kind of a conventional four-three-three, um, which is not something we've seen DC play under Losada. I think for even five minutes, um, but it was definitely a a recognition, which is good. You don't want the coach to just be like, well, you know, let's see if they, you know, let's see if it works out at this stage in the game. You'd rather try and, and change things. You'd rather try and have that, um, that willingness to take the risk of, of, you know, the pattern, the the way the game was playing out wasn't favorable. So you try and shift it in some way. Um, So, you know, it's a recognition of how much Atlanta's move did throw DC off in yeah. a way that I don't, I was surprised it threw them off, especially when you consider, you know, Joseph Martinez had had to come out of the game with what turns out to be a knee issue that requires further examination. Ozzy Alonso had subbed out. Turns out he tore his ACL in a, a 50-50 challenge. Uh, this is a tough challenge, but it was a fair challenge. It's just one of those uh, bad luck ones. Um, 
where if you don't have your if you're not completely in the the stable position and the heavier player, you might end up in a bad way. Um, so yeah, Atlanta had removed some of their most experienced and savvy players, and still ended up getting control of the game. And, and you know, Losada only let this last. We're talking about like nine minutes, so it wasn't yeah. like it lasted forever. It lasted enough time where Losada said, "We aren't going to get to ninety plus minutes yeah. if this plays out like this. We have to change something." Um, yeah, I mean, and I, I think I will say that the change did stabilize things, except Atlanta gets that last second corner that they then win the game. It's not a it's not a formation problem at that point. It's just right. you know, can you win one battle in the box? And the answer well, was. And DC no. United had had a couple corners right before that after yes. Losada's last change. Uh, I really think that the the issue was the combination of Atlanta switching to that box midfield and DC United switching to the three four three, which yes, the two attackers can be central midfielders and contribute to a box but with Griffin now and Edison Flores that's not how they're going to play so it was really 2v4 in central midfield and that's when Atlanta started overrunning to the extent that you can call it that that's when they started having their best they, they started carving out chances with passing at the top of the box because they you know DC United were chasing ghosts because Atlanta's and they they just had numbers up and maybe you have a small amount of you know Sophia and Jafal may be a little unfamiliar with having to be the, the most defensive player in that group at this point in his right. career. His reads aren't going to be at a top level yet. Right. And, and, that's, what, playing this position and, for... and that's what that formation change was going to rely on. It, it was a big risk. Um, and you know, it was interesting watching from the press box that DC kind of rushed this sub. Um, it was almost like they saw Robinson coming in they figured out that it was Mulraney coming out and they were like, now is our time. Um, and cause they, mm-hmm. if, if, if you were in the stadium, maybe you glanced down at the subs. Um, if you happened to see this moment, you probably saw the bench, like very, like all of a sudden guys weren't really warming up and people were like multiple people got up on the bench and were waving for the subs. Um, and they sent Flores and Yao running to the bench. Um, mm-hmm. it was a, um, a, like, this is our moment to get them uh kind of move or maybe it was a like they're gonna park the bus now we have to bring in more attackers we can't waste any time but either way um the thought process was this is our chance to get them this is a a big move we're gonna make it didn't really pan out um but then you know a lot a lot of things didn't really pan out on the day because i think respect to atlanta they came in and largely kind of made sure dc didn't get a dc kind of game um this game Mm -hmm. wasn't played at the tempo we're used to seeing uh it wasn't the dc's attempt to press didn't didn't result in that many turnovers they didn't really it just dc pressed all right but they didn't dictate the game as it normally does it was kind of atlanta seemed like the team that was like more satisfied with how things were happening than dc can dc united play a dc united game right now with the players they have maybe maybe not um they certainly can press but they've not impressed at the level that, that else. we got used to last year they've been they've still been disruptive but it yes. hasn't been hasn't turned into chances it's been right. defensively fine um it's just what else does it lead to and the whole pressing system is designed to both be difficult to attack and also to create chances by just creating turnovers far enough up the field that it's easier right. to do the job yeah well there could be reinforcements coming by the time we we next see DC United, who of course are off this coming weekend because um, 
MLS had to make sure that NYCFC had their best chance possible to advance to I'm the still effing mad League about final by which is against um of course no. it's against Liga MX MX team called Seattle Sounders FC Adam um, stop please you're just killing me you're just shoving the knife I'm I'm angry about this too then I I I'm, I remain mad online uh, it's a it was a dumb decision by MLS to force this these Seattle's game got rescheduled too, I think, against Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Uh, NYCFC, like it's dumb. It's really dumb. There's no reason to reschedule the game between their their two legs because they're both MLS teams. Let them freaking deal with it. Uh, if they were playing actual Mexican opponents, I could I would begrudgingly understand. But there's mm-hmm. no argument for it right now, and it's stupid and it's bad and it's again, like I said last week, MLS playing favorites. Uh, well, yeah, and I assume that this is one of those classic MLS moments where it's not even actively playing favorites so much as like a team in a powerful position is like, hey, can we get this? And the league is like, sure. Um, yeah. And and so when it's the Galaxy being like, hey, can we use this workaround on the designated player rule uh, that, that we're coming up with that is clearly breaking the spirit of the rule, if not the actual letter of the law? They're like, uh, sure, you got it. Um, it doesn't say now, in the rule book you can't. Right. And, and, you know, ultimately what we hope for is for DC to become a team that can actually push those limits rather than be the team that gets screwed over by the limit being pushed. Um, but, you know, it's been a rough few years and DC is not there yet. So um, I don't know. Uh, it's it's not great that there's no game, but also uh, this is sort of the the uh the way of the world you you kind of get these breaks if you're seattle or nycfc and you kind of don't get these breaks if you're dc and cincinnati and colorado and whoever else yeah that said uh the delay does increase the odds that taxi Funtas will be available for united's next game not 100 percent, but steve goff did report it's wednesday as we record he re- he reported today that Funtas is back in Greece awaiting his work visa to come join the team properly um, and be able to play in games. So that's good. That's a good sign. Hopefully it will not take the full week and a half between now and and the 16th, and he'll be able to join the team expeditiously um, because DC United need something at this point. Uh, Jason, you, I, I don't remember if it was on Twitter or in the black and red United Slack, but you said, it's not clear to you that, that taxi coming in fixes what's wrong with, with DC United at this point. Yeah. I mean, he's certainly going to make things better. Um, yeah. it just, anyone who's sharper in front of goal, whose movement is better. Um, this is one of the things DC has been lacking is, um, the movement off the ball has been both yeah. individuals aren't moving that that well as well as you know collectively there's just they haven't been opening channels for each other to attack and i want to just go back to the segue that ben almost gave me Mm -hmm. and that's what i was going to get at is that paul Ariola's movement off the ball is one thing that's definitely missing and i i think and hope uh, i I think mostly hope at this point but but i i think reasonably hope that that taxi will be able to provide some of that off the ball movement that we've been missing. Yes, definitely. Um, and and you know if you go back uh, to you know our our old friend Nate Scott uh, found the scouting report uh, for uh, taxi and for Estrada and it's a high number Shot. of shots per game. Shoot, shoot, and shoot. 
if there's a player you want to think about in terms of just volume chance uh, being the being the target of a volume of chance creation, it's Paul Ariola, who yes wasn't the sharpest in front of goal, but he just had so many opportunities because his movement was so good and he worked so hard that eventually one of them would go come come true uh, come good. Um, I think the idea is that Taxi should be very similar to that, maybe a little more technically gifted uh, than Ariola. Um, you know, maybe he doesn't work quite as hard or have Ariola's ability to sort of bounce off of people and keep his feet. That part remains to be seen. But the idea is roughly that they're, they're similar enough where you're kind of covering one asset or one facet of what's missing. Um, but DC's still missing a dribbling threat. Um, I think out of DC's forwards in this game, Nigel Roberta ends up being the player you want to leave in because he's actually trying to dribble past people. Yeah. Um, which he I, rough, let me, you know, go ahead, let me just butt in and say like whenever um, uh, Kamara gets on the ball um, for more, th- for more than just like taking a couple of touches and shooting, it just, it, it doesn't end up going well. Cause that's not his skill set. And it has made me sad when, when I see that happening and usually last year he would receive balls from uh, uh, Paul Ariola or others instead of having to dribble himself into those positions. Yeah, and right. this is and, what and we that... talked about as a force multiplier is mm-hmm. right. moving the defense and and making those runs off the ball, creating space and exploiting space uh, make, makes everything else easier for your teammates. And you don't need as much dribble penetration yes. at that point um, because you're moving the defense with something else. Um, and and I think I hope that that is what we're going to get here is that um, just from having one more sharper, um, you know, sharper and also hardworking, always looking. I, I've said the word insistent a couple of times this year about uh, Cudi Pietro and, and Yao. And I, I'm hoping that this is also a taxi uh, quality to have. Um is just constantly being on the move and constantly, I'm sure some of the people listening to this maybe saw the viral clip that someone showed where they just focused on Chicharito's movement inside the box, um, where he, he makes the hard run, holds it off, makes the hard run again, and then holds it off again. And the defender doesn't, it's the fourth thing that the defender doesn't see. Um, and that's when he gets open and scores the goal. Um, and those things will all add a lot but I do still have some apprehension because I am still worried that there, there isn't that extra dribbling aspect to this team. And if teams, you know, a way to deal with a team, like let's say DC's attack gets better in the ways we're talking about taxi does the things we say we expect and we hope. Um, And then five weeks from now, teams start saying, okay, how do we deal with these guys now that we've seen what they're trying to do? One of the things they're going to do is do an Orlando at, at Audi field early last season, they're going to park the bus. Um, they're going to be like, let's bring in that fifth defender. And it's not going to be Atlanta solving the game a little bit. It's going to be, we're going to bring in a fifth defender so we can get out of here scoreless. Um, and that's it. That's all we're interested in. We don't care about what else happens. Um, and at that point, how is DC going to respond? Um, so maybe this is thinking one move down because I don't, maybe DC doesn't have the luxury of thinking one move down the road. Um, at this point, they've just got to get something going that first thing has to work before we start thinking of what comes after. But I do have some concerns about what comes after um, because 
you know, there's the the report from Pablo Maurer that uh, Jackson Hopkins is about to sign a homegrown deal. Hopkins is a good player, but one, I don't think he's going to see MLS minutes just yet. Um, we're still talking about a teenager. Uh, he, he would be attending UVA as a freshman this fall uh, if he didn't sign the deal. Um, but we're also, again, not talking about a dribbler. We're talking about a midfielder forward hybrid. He played up top in the preseason. He's played up top for Loudon some of the time. Uh, more of a goal-scoring attacking midfielder than we are talking about a chance creator. Um, and that is what I still think DC is lacking is who can create chances on this team that isn't a wingback hitting crosses. Um, and Losada after the game, mentioned this as well. He said, you know, this central midfield that we saw against Atlanta, he said, it's admittedly, it's not a creative central midfield. It's a hardworking, tough central midfield that can win, win the ball and press well, but, and maybe crash the box and score some goals that way, but they're not creating goals. They're not creating chances. So if you Jafal, Adam, you said, you know, he's linking play. It's different from being a creator, which he was in college. Yeah. Chris Durkin, the transition he's made as a, as a player in Belgium appears to be, he's more mobile. He's more box to box and less of a deep line playmaker, which is what, when he came up, the, there was so much argument about this, that there were people that were arguing he should be a center back um, mm-hmm. because of his passing range. And now He's much more of a much closer to Russell Canalson playing style is what, you know, at mm-hmm. least based on what we just saw in this first game. Um, Canals, probably the sharpest of that that group in terms of getting closer to goal and creating, but that's not his game. He'd be the first to tell you that. Um, he's a guy that can pop up and score some goals. Uh, he did that in TFC, but he's not going to create a ton of chances for other people. Um this is still a thing that DC is lacking. Uh, you know, Gressel and Smith, one, haven't really been in the best form um, when they've been mm-hmm. serving the ball. Um, and two, they're wingbacks who stay wide and put in crosses. Um, and so Ben mentioned predictability, and this is what we're sort of getting into now is you've got workers and you've got wingbacks who we know can cross. And, you know, the law of averages say that they'll come around. Um, but what else is there? And if you're just fending off crosses and, you know, the next move after taxi is sit deep, you know, park the bus. um, How does DC break that down? The best way to break down a team that wants to park the bus is you have to have guys that can either dribble or receive the ball in extremely tight spaces. I, I don't know how many people listen, listening, saw the, um, man city's goal against Atletico Madrid. Phil Foden's Um, turn. It was, was incredible. Phil Foden turns into a phone booth. It's a one-on-four. He turns into a space that's so small that you're like, well, that's a lost cause. But it's just barely big enough for him to get the ball off of his feet. And just as Atleti tries to collapse on him, he gets the ball through there. And that's where the goal comes from. Um, DC doesn't really have that either. They don't have the MLS Phil Foden um, right now. Is so, there an MLS Phil Foden? I don't think that's so. A, that's a separate well, question. Yeah, we'll have to ask. Uh, Aaron West, uh, I believe, got nutmegged by Phil Foden doing a promo, <laughs> do, doing some media work. So he would be the best to know. Um, look, I did I'm see a video sure. of Phil Foden just like hanging out with his friends, and he takes a, a half size ball on the streets yeah. of, of Manchester and just nutmeg with it. Yeah. So um, th- I'm this pretty is what sure Phil does. Foden could nutmeg all of the members of Filibuster. So it's not like we're throwing shade in a row. Um, yeah, it, it it would be worse. Whatever whatever happened. To I'll, just, I'll, else, I'll just I'll just lay on the ground behind y'all two, and hopefully the ball will just bounce off of me. So you're going for a fall on the ground strategy. 
Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, reasonable yeah, yeah. in this situation. Not super dignified, but maybe effective. Um, when have I ever had dignity, Jason? I mean, some of the time you're you're in a nice Richmond Kickers jersey right now. I think that's just about it for for tonight. We've so? we've started talking about the European Champions League. That might be the first time we've actually brought it up in more than ten years of this show. <laughs> I mean it. Unfortunately for DC, like if Taxi does come, they will through, never be. They will never be in the European Champions League. There probably won't be unless we have some sort of migration of the continents again, uh, a return to uh, Pangaea, perhaps. The, yeah, the, the Pan- Pangaea Champions League is exactly what um, I was going to say. Or like, or like UEFA takes over FIFA um, in a battle of different cabals. Um, that Which is are entirely bad. possible. And, and oh, you know, I, terrible in a new way. <laughs> I do remember one thing I want to say. One thing that I think Taxi probably doesn't replicate of, of Paul Areola's is... Ariola was comfortable playing on the outside uh, as well as up the middle and mm-hmm. would the, the interchange that he and Gressel were able to do allowed Gressel to come inside and change the angles of things. And Gressel scored a couple of goals because of that. So the predictability right. you were talking about, Jason, I, I, I understand that worry because yeah. if Bontes is just and- a central player, just a forward, just a, a second forward, then he's not, necessarily going to pull to those outside positions and allow Gressel to make that underlapping run. Right. Or, or Smith. Cause it remains to be seen yeah. where Losada wants to set him up. Um, and, and, or does he want to set up? Cause like, it's reasonable to think that Flores didn't start this game because of his international duties. Uh, he, he'd only been back for a couple of days, but mm-hmm. once taxi gets here, um, it does start to make you wonder like, the the time for Flores being a starter is pretty limited if he doesn't start coming through. Um, I feel like everyone in the fan base is probably already like ready to go on that front, but um, you know, there is a distinct chance because Flores doesn't really add a ton on the dribble either. Um, mm-hmm. There's a chance that what you get in speed uh, willingness to dribble, Roberto went two for five. So not great, but you know, at least someone's trying it. Um, and one of them led to one of the biggest chances of the game for DC. Yeah. So uh, Roberta is the, also the only DC player on the team this season with an assist, um, which is uh, bizarre. Uh, but uh, D- DC's oh, goals yeah, have come through some very strange situations. And also, let's not forget, most of DC's goals came in the opener. Um, mm-hmm. We're on game five, and almost all the goals came in the opener, and they were bizarre goals yeah. that um, you're you probably used up a lot of luck. Yeah, just getting those. Um, so yeah, uh, the, the question of Flores keeping, like, how does he fit in? He'd better find taxi to be the best partner he's ever played alongside real quick. Uh, because otherwise you kind of have to look at, yeah. okay, we've got Kamara and Estrada battling to be the nine. Um, we've got Roberta also in that battle and also potentially someone who can battle for time as one of the other forwards. Taxi is going to be one of the other forwards. You're rapidly running out of space for Flores to be ineffective and get more, you know, more of a, a leeway to get better. So, yeah. And I mean, um, and he's like at, at his DP level, like he's got a, he's had so many years, like he's had what, two years now. I mean, 2020, if you count 2020, then yes. I mean, I count 2020 at least as an acclimation year. He should, he sure. could have, Acclimated I don't, I don't even count league. it as an acclimation year. I honestly. do. I, do. It's I, not I, like he's shown anything this year. No, nobody right. acclimated to anything in 2020, is what I'm saying. Like 
the pandemic changes everything and it hits people differently. But he hasn't shown anything this year. Yeah. And that's an issue. Because, um, yeah, whatever you think of 2020, he had all of 2021 and doesn't look any better this year. So, yeah, I, I, I hope that Taxi can unlock Flores, but I'm, I'm less optimistic about that than some other things. But mm-hmm. we'll see. On that note, um, we will be back next week to preview the DC United Austin FC game. And uh, thank you all for listening. Find us at blackandredunited.com. Find us on Twitter at blackandredu, at filibusterdcu, at Bromley Soccer, at Jason DC Soccer, at 202AMT. Download, subscribe, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, ratings and reviews, I'm told, are super helpful, but uh, I really like it when you tell a friend about the show. Word of mouth is has always been the, the best advertising, or, or so I'm told. So for Jason and Ben, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. To quote the rapper Shaq Diesel, period, comma. <laughs>